When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 173, an episode presented by Yeti. Before we get to today's conversation, here are three surfing news items for you to keep in mind this week as you sit in your own lineups. First off, an update from the Olympic Tower situation in Tahiti for the 2024 Games. We touched on this a few weeks ago regarding the local community questioning the necessity of an aluminum tower on the reef for the event next year. The past two decades of ASP WSL events have used a smaller wooden tower uh, than the proposed aluminum one the IOC wants to build for next year. According to Surfer Magazine reporting by Jade Eckert, a decision will be made by the end of the month as to whether or not the IOC is proceeding with the aluminum tower build. Uh, whatever they decide, I hope it is in the best interests of that local community there. Secondly, two WSL-related weddings to congratulate this past week. The first between former CT surfer Sage Erickson and her now husband Daniel Norris. A happy couple, there by all accounts. And the second is between current CT surfer Tatiana Weston-Webb and former CT surfer and current WSL analyst Jesse Mendez. So congratulations to both couples. Finally, North Narrabeen's Laura Enever, a former championship tour standout herself, has set a Guinness world record for the largest paddling wave ever surfed by a female. She bagged a monster at Outer Himalayas on the North Shore of Oahu that measured 43.6 feet. Uh, amazing accomplishment. Congratulations to Laura. And go check out the ride online if you haven't already. It is up on the WSL's YouTube page. All right episode 173. Today's guest is someone who themselves is no stranger to large and scary surf. Originally hailing from Cornwall in the UK, he went on and made a name for himself in the hardcore waves of Ireland, including the infamous Mullochmore. He's been a fixture in lineups the world over, from Chopu to Porto Escondido, Mavericks, Nazare, and beyond. And as we discuss, he nearly lost his life this year in Tahiti, which has given him an interesting perspective on life and death. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with the UK's Tom Lowe. The good old clap, take one. That's right. How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did, I wanted to be a world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? We can shut you and then I'll just say, put him up once, let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave, get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. Let's talk to your boxes. All right, we are back. We're here at the lineup and uh, we have a special guest with us today. He is a world-renowned big wave charger hailing from Cornwall in the UK. He's competed in big wave events in the past, his best result finishing third in Puerto Escondido. He is the subject of a feature film currently available on Vimeo, Are Now, an inspired portrait documentary of his life and upbringing in the UK and in Ireland. We have the incredible 
Tom Lowe on the lineup today. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> oh, is that my intro? That's Thanks, your Dave. intro, buddy. <laughs> I mean, that's kind. I don't know about all that. <laughs> we have, we have, we have fact checkers. I'm sure it works. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, yeah, soul surfer. Basically, we're still going. That's my claim to fame. That would be my intro. We're, 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 we're coming up to 40 this year, and we're still in the mix. So that's my claim, mate. Like a fine wine, I really enjoy that. Yeah, we're 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 not even close to peaking yet, mate. So. No, I mean, look at <laughs> Kelly. He still thinks he's got another twenty years before he hits his peak. You you got you I'm got not you have decades. To later. Uh, everyone no, does. He, don't that worry guy's about that. on a whole other. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what dimension he was born on, but it's not this one. He's he's an incredible human or not human alien. That's probably fair. Well, you you fair. yourself you. You come from a very unique part of the world, a very special part of the world, but you you have had a pretty nomadic existence over the last few years. But where are you talking to us from today? Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're always on the road for sure. I mean, mm. to be honest, my life's been on the road since like 15, since I left, more or less, since I left school. You know, we leave school around that time. And um, yeah, by 16, it was just what we did. We just hit the road. Uh, for six months of the year and then we came home and we lifeguarded washed dishes did whatever we had to do to save up and go away again so it's yeah it's been a long time of of doing that but right now i'm in i'm in raglan in new zealand oh beautiful um this is where both my daughters were born in raglan here and um my wife's from the east coast so um yeah so this is kind of not i wouldn't say raglan necessarily is home away from home but new zealand's becoming you know more of a home than England based on the kids uh, and obviously the missus and her family. And, and it's, it's not too far away from the sort of Cornish, Irish coast, you know, Portuguese. It, that's where we're usually spending time between those three countries. So it kind of feels a little bit like that over here with the, you know, rugged coastline waves and temperatures is not so different. A bit nicer than England, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that well that's pretty sick. That is interesting. New Zealand's such a beautiful place too and as you pointed out, it's probably climate-wise pretty similar to where you are most of the rest of the year whether it's in the UK, UK or not. You've had a pretty busy and a, and a really eventful um 2023. You know, you're a father again. Congratulations on your new baby girl. Um <laughs> Thanks. and you had a a, a, a I mean, got worldwide recognition and a heart-stopping injury at, at Chopu. We're about five months removed from that injury. So 2023 year for you has probably been up and down in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, it, that injury is a really interesting sort of thing to process now or even talk mm. about because it's like, even though it was just, yeah, only five months ago, like I haven't kept track on time, you know, it, within two months I was, oh, after the injury, I was, you know, paddling around in the flat water. Like I was fast to be connecting. I was in the sea every single day, even when, after my surgeries to connect mm. with the sea. So the reason why I bring that up is just because I feel like it's, um, it's old news, you know, it's like a, just a little chapter. It was the most extreme injury I've had and the, mm. and the scariest, but yet because it was mainly fracture related and not any ligaments, I was able to recover fast, a lot faster than pretty much all my injuries. Like whether it's a broken ankle, knee 
dislocated knees, shoulders, all these other things we've done, they take sometimes six to eight months sure. to get back, right? So, um, but yeah, it's been action-packed Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's always is with me though, mate. Every year is like this. It's like, I mean, when you've got kids too, it's it's never a time to, to cruise or like hit that neutral button. It's just go, go, go. And um but it's go 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 in a in a in a lovely way and um we're you know we're a good little unit like you know my wife tess is so supportive of you know what i um love doing um and she loves to travel herself so for us to say oh let's settle down or anything like that it doesn't feel like it's the time um we're quite happy to bounce around and do our thing but but yeah that I mean, I don't know if you, yeah, want to talk any more about the injury, but yeah, well, I guess let's, my main, let's, let's my get main into that a little more. It, yeah. I think it's important. Yeah, it's been an interesting. Well, look, I mean, I got I got smashed up real bad. You know, people have heard the story. We've we've done the interviews with the whole like what happened. You know, mm. like hitting the reef, having to you know get myself to the land after hitting the reef was quite a saga, mm-hmm. mate. You know, and that whole process itself was. I mean, I could, you know, talk for hours about what that entailed because it was a long day. <laughs> it was into the evening. It's, you know, it, the injury was in the morning and it wasn't until late evening that I was sort of having my ser- second sort of surgery. And then I was right. I was sort of um, out of it a lot of that day. Um, so that was a journey in itself. And then to have been that much pain over that sort of three week period was so overworked. It was just everything. It took everything from me. But, um, like I said, just now I was able to bounce back Mm. very fast because I actually had to stay in in Tahiti for about three weeks after the injury because I wasn't allowed to fly because I'd, I didn't puncture my lungs, but I had, um, internal bleeding uh, between my rib cage and my lungs and there was a lot of fluids in there and they were worried that um for a lot of reasons um that it might be detrimental to jump on a plane um so i had to hang about and get checkups and so anyway the the fam flew out to me and we hung out there and we were able to recover really nicely there just staying completely still i wasn't able to sleep mind like hardly anything like i slept but it felt like i was on a three-week flight journey like almost mm. like never-ending i could only sit up straight mm. otherwise with my bride five broken ribs and so right. to breathe was so so painful my, and i had a broken shoulder so that was it was it was a really full-on process but yeah we um i was so happy to be alive and so <laughs> right. loved up and euphoric that i didn't really I just felt like it was a, a, a challenge that was going to make me stronger. And I saw it in so many positive ways. And I was just as cheesy. It sounds like smelling the flowers again, you know, like all the, everything was fresh. It was reborn kind of energy. So I was on that, even though I was in so much pain, I was sitting upright for three weeks straight. It was like, and just couldn't really move very well. Uh, it was uh, a, a pretty amazing journey in itself. Like that pain, what it brings you, there's a lot of learning, a lot of evolving, and um, it's it makes you sort of recalibrate everything that's important in your life, and um, and it just brings brings up yeah, just you like it's like a rebirth, man. Going through a trauma like that, it's it's pretty um, powerful stuff. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think from our listeners perspective too, it might be worth just talking about it. Cause I'm interested too, you know, okay. they'll, they'll watch, you know, other sports, whether it's, you know, football or basketball or even, you know, surf competitions where, yeah, mm. people are maybe putting their bodies on the line, but there are kind of standards and practices and safety protocols and medical help. And it, it varies of course, but with what you do and what, what your colleagues do in this space, you're going to different countries, you know, the, the, the healthcare and the medical sophistication differs depending on where you go. And you don't necessarily have those built-in systems when something like this does happen. Can, can you talk to us just a little bit about that part of it and, and how, you, how you have to navigate when you get into those situations just wherever you're at? Well, I guess, I mean, like we're like a family in a sense that like, you know, if, if somebody who just wants to go and ride some heavy surf in mm. Ireland, for instance, and says an Instagram messages me or gets my email of someone or whatever, if they want to come over, you know, there's enough people I know and I connect them with the right safety guys with the jet mm. skis. So they would then I'd pass them on and then we all just chip in, man, you know, like whoever's mm. kicking around, you chip in and they keep an eye on you, you know, mm. and um, it's only getting safer uh, mm. with uh, people's skill level on jet skis and first responding courses and and obviously the uh, inflation vests that you've got going on, uh, yeah. they help. So basically we have, yeah, like the, the, the vests on underneath our wetsuits, which we can inflate. Um, they have like CO2 canisters in, inside and you can just inflate them a bit like um, being on an airplane, right? And you just an inflation vest and that will help you come up to the surface so all these things that are um regularly used and that they're, they're, they're making it safer for everyone and yeah i mean really when i go to jaws or mavericks or i'm going over to nazare or wherever or or island for a big paddle sessions and i'm connecting with the people on that swell who were going and the locals on the ground and um yeah we basically support each other you know like mm. um and that's kind of how it works on that front. But there's there's times when, of course, you're lots of times when you you just surf in a place. It's like an underground kind of session. There's just like a handful of you surfing, or maybe you're like the only guy wanting to paddle, or who knows. And then if something happens, you know, you're not on your own because you you have people kicking around. But yeah, shit goes down and it can get heavy, and you haven't necessarily got you know, Greg Long on the jet ski, like your boys, you know, like picking you up and giving you the care you need. Like, um, there's not always like, you know, yeah, there's the measures in place at certain places that are underground. So it's, it depends on the spot, but more mm. often than not, you, you've got the angles covered, you know, we support each other and that's kind of how that worked. If that answered the question. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, you mentioned before, you know, you, you, your family came out to visit you and it must have been like an am amazing experience having to go through this really traumatic event and feel all this pain. But as you pointed out, having that kind of love and support almost yeah. immediately with you for the recovery. But I, I did want to ask, cause this has comes up a few times when we, we speak to individuals that pursue, you know, waves, um, like really critical, serious waves like you do in terms of, becoming you know a husband or becoming a father and how that impacts their psychology when it comes to pushing it and risking it in, in really serious conditions i'm wondering if if it's given you strength to continue to do what you're doing and sharpened your focus or if it's given you pause in terms of 
how hard do I want to push it in this space? Because I know everyone's different when, when it comes to that part of their saying. life. Mm. Well, I think there's a few phases that what brings that comes up to me is like there's a few different energies that like the forces that power me along. Like, you know, you have a pretty strong ego and like mm. drive and like energy when you're a young like bull in a sense like you know you're after everything that moves you want to be on every swell and you want to send it and go on like the heaviest wave out of every session um that's your mission and that's like the vibe and that's a teenage kind of me and coming into my 20s it's just like go on the heaviest one today make it all matter like do it as if it's your last day yeah on earth like that's kind of my vibe like it's all little nothing and I won't go out into the sea unless I'm going for the biggest, heaviest. And that's kind of like my mindset, which is pretty heavy mm. kind of headspace and feeling to go into a swell. And when we're training beforehand, we're doing really aggressive training. We're pushing it hard. You know, we're pushing everything to the limit mode. Yeah. And then right. you get, you get this being out here, you get injured, you get messed up, you realize, okay, we've got to like figure that out. You know, that's over like 10 years. <laughs> it takes a while to get to the point where you're like slowing it down. You're starting to, take more calculated risks um you're more prepared for the wave whether it's the board you're riding um or just picking your moments to to basically you know put it on the line and go for it you're picking those battles not just going for everything um Mm. and less is more you know so it starts to turn into a bit like that and you're more calculated and um you know when you're training you're doing like I guess you kind of under training, you know, I'd, I'd under train in a sense. I'd always do little, like uh, a lot. And that would be my training. Like every day do something, you know, mm. like, but you're not training where you're like basically kind of in a red zone where you kind of could get injured and, in, and you're going into a swell and you're already pretty taxed because you've been like doing like hit workouts the day before and all this sort of other business. And it's not good for your system, you know? And I right. used to just be on that one. I think through these, surgeries and big impact injuries I, I would be in england you know bedridden cancer for six months going like geez you know we've got to run up and down steps with this arm strapped to me just to keep fit you know this is going to be a tough journey and you start to think man i've got to change things so I'd, i it's a gradual there's a chapter mm. of it's about 10 years where it's just very self-destructive and beast mode and there's a chapter of like you know, and I'm not, I met my wife yet, you know, but we're slowing it down. We're starting to think, you know, differently, uh, not going on every swell, concentrating on one ride. I want to get one wave uh, and putting sort of like a solid few months into that, waiting around and living at a spot and really zoning into it. And that was where I went through that kind of period, maybe like mid twenties and stuff. And then I guess like, as I got, when I met Tess, let's just specifically talking about Tess, like that was seven years ago, my wife. And um, that was just epic. It was, again, just I'd already gone into that. Like I was living in Portugal, took it. We were cruising there. We're jumping on swells to Ireland. I'm thinking I don't need to go on that swell to Mavericks. I don't need to do all mm. these other things because I'm going to concentrate on what's in my heart. Like which ride I really want is a wave, you know, at Mulligmore in Ireland, let's mm. say on this amazing nine that I've just had shaped. It's just sitting there in front of me and we're just going to get on that right swell and get that amazing ride. That's my mission. And sort of that was a few years. And, you know, before we know it, Tiger Lily's coming in the mix and, and we're into that world. Yeah. We're, we're having the baby. We're coming over to Raglan. 
and then it's a it's sort of um i wouldn't say it slows me down as such as far as um the the uh rides that i'm getting which are significant i'm it actually had the reverse effect it made me get better rides there was mm. more like love in my life and i think i was more um even more tuned in uh in a um spiritual sense and in a sort of um grounded sense i was just really in the moment to moment because i I, that's what you are with kids and i think that i would just go off that instinct even more than i used to and that thing just never lies and for me personally um the drive is coming from a less ego place and it's just more of a love like it's even deeper it's like it's almost like a mature relationship do you know what i mean when you're like you love that fresh energy and that's what I used to have, like that fresh, raw, like crazy energy when you get a honeymoon period and then you go into like deeper and, you you know, and it's like more drawn out. But it's like even more like love in a sense in the big picture. So it's like that with my surfing, if that makes sense. It does. Well, it, it totally just got does. Better, you know, it just got yeah. better. Well, I think I think what you said makes sense. Right. Because you there's what you're kind of describing is like a a security that comes with age and and maturing experiences, right? Whether you're living those in life or becoming a a husband or becoming a father. And as you pointed out, it's like the, the ego part of it is, is motivating for sure. Yeah. But it's also, that comes from kind of an insecure place as well. Right. Where it's like, now that you've kind of evolved into this, this there's a strength in, in being able to tune in and go, I'm, I'm secure with myself. This is coming from a, a place of love. And you mentioned before, you know, the, the physical training that goes into preparing for, for tackling these mm. kinds of waves. It, it does sound like there's quite a lot of psychological training or mental preparation that goes into it too. Or maybe, and maybe that's more important. Psychologist, you know, she's a, my wife is a clinical mm. psychologist and, um, Although she doesn't sit there with me and we don't do all that because she's my, my missus and like, you know, it's <laughs> not the vibe. I've definitely like, there's definitely little things, you know, if I'm tripping on something, like even last week, there's a swell at Jaws, you know, and I'm thinking, mm. do I need to get on this thing? Do you know what I mean? Is this significant enough? Like, what's the deal? I start getting all in my head and um, just having someone to talk to from a real grounded place and also you know, the fact that she is a psychologist, she can say the right things to basically make me believe that I'm making the right decision, even if right. I'm not right, you know, and that's all that really matters. Um, but there's something, you know, the ego, like you're saying, you know, we need that, we need that to, to get us pumped, yeah, to get yeah. us motivated, it to gets us up and gets us doing things. But when you're really jumping on a swell, like to, if I'm if I'm looking two or three days out and I'm looking at this swell, this big storm, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, is it is this the right time? When you really just, you know, listen um, from I think a pure place, and you do it re- for the right reasons, I think that's when it works out real good for you. You know, mm. there shouldn't be like that. You know, there's always a few doubts that will creep in. You know, but um, you know, you, through experience, you, you know, you, you gained over time, you, you know, when to pull the trigger and it just feels so much different now going on a swell than it used to. It's like, yeah. And, and with the fact that like, you know, I'm supporting the fam, you know, mm. like financially, it's like, man, I'm going to make this mother count. Like I'm going hard. this <laughs> right, like, yeah. You know, like if I'm going to go over there, I ain't playing around. Like I'm not, I'm not just turning up to sort of sit about and bob about. Like I'm going to get something done. Like, Cause you know, 
I just feel that pressure on myself. And my, my you know, Tess would hate me to say that because she's like, no, it doesn't matter. You know, you do what you feel and tune in on the day, see how it goes. But I'm like, no, I'm going to at least get a badass wipeout. <laughs> well, <laughs> but know, that, yeah, and that's such a good way to put it because uh, I'm, I mean, from the sound of it, of course, Tess wouldn't be like, better go over there and earn the money. But that goes back to what you're saying before of like being a father and just being tuned in even to how you're using your time. Right. Where you're like, yeah. I'm not going over there just to dawdle around. I have responsibilities yeah. and like windows. I know? am exactly. You know I am focused. And that it does sound like your approach to surfing is a very like, you know, mind, body, spirit oriented kind of approach and you know after that injury in tahiti i I think you did uh, an interview or or there was an article about you with new york magazine and in it you even talked about um you know i think being when you were laid up in the tahitian hospital having an out-of-body experience and i was hoping you could retell that story for us and 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 whether or not that was the first time you'd had it or what you think it meant you know well, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any kid out there. Like, if you're a child, if you can take yourself back to and you can say it's your imagination and things like that. I think every child, probably including you, Dave, has, like, had those experiences that, oh, he's, like, you know, there's some – he's seeing monsters and ghosts in his bed or he's talking gibberish because he's, like, this, that, and the other. Or, like, you're out in the bush and, you know, and you were, like – or you're in the forest and you had an experience with this or you saw this or – I mean, to be honest with you, like I'm very open-minded as far as um, what's kind of what you can tap into. Um, Mm. And I think that I've always been pretty um, open to it. So whether it's like when I used to live in Ireland, um, you know, during those dark winters, I used to really connect uh, when I was around sort of 20 odd and, and I used to like, it sort of was just like uh, getting out of Cornwall and then being sort of in that environment of raw nature mm. uh, with no other sort of distractions. It was a really easy way for me to just connect with nature and to have experiences similar um, during that time. And, you know, you're not under the influence of any drugs or alcohol. Mm. And it doesn't, it's not about that. It's a really pure state. It's like a, you're walking along the coastline, maybe you start to suddenly you're doing this like I guess Wim Hof style breathing stuff and movements on the on the cliff top. You don't know why you're doing it. You know, mm. you could say, Oh man, sometimes you feel really silly. I'd laugh at myself sometimes when I'd be doing stuff because I'd feel stupid and look around like maybe someone saw me doing this Tai Chi shit or whatever the hell I'm doing. But um it felt good, you know, and so and it could take you to a place where maybe you're yeah, you're feeling like the, you know, vibrations coming through the ground from the the waves in front of you. And you can, obviously there's a lot of energy there. And then you'd go to some, you know, a tree where you'd sort of know that that thing is, is sort of somehow important to that area and that you don't know why. And then, you know, you'll see a burial ground close by and then you start to connect with that area. Mm. And, and there's just, you know, there's, there's, there's sort of, there's, there's, it's an awkward thing to talk about because you don't want to sound like a loony, you no, know, you don't want to sound because you don't want to be put in the category of like this person, you know, because I'm not like that on an everyday basis. It's just, um, I don't like uh, 
to and I don't like to put my limited vocabulary into like trying to explain what this is it's just a feeling stuff it's this is all feeling stuff it's like when you love somebody there's energy in the room or whatever it is or um there's a bad energy you know you don't have to like explain why you know it's that mm. somebody you can meet and they don't have to speak but you can tell they're just not having a nice time right now or whatever right. it's like you know it's just obvious stuff it's the it's the same with the animals it's the same with the the trees, the sky, stars, all of it, it's just, you know, it's all um, vibrations of energy. And I personally can feel like I, I, I enjoy being open to that. And mm. um, there's been, there's been certain situations where I've like felt those similar experiences to when I was in Tahiti, for mm. sure. Um, it can often become in a, like a traumatic way, you know, where you like have a nasty hold down, maybe you're blacking out in the water which I have, and that's, it's scary because you're all, you have this deep inner thing of being really scared to death, right? Everyone's scared, like, die. You want to stay alive. It's, it's instinct. Mm. You want to stay alive. Right. Um, but it's okay in, in myself. I feel like once you get, once you just have been put in that situations where, like, the death's real, um, whether it's in your mind real or not, it doesn't really matter. It feels real. And then you, I think crossing over to some sort of very peaceful place is um, where we all will end up feeling anyway. So that once you get through that fear, it's actually very peaceful. And I personally have felt that my life being sort of drawn away from me um, and then that opened up some very beautiful feelings and visions that last with me forever. Um, and obviously I get to live again, you know, it's mm -hmm. just not, it's a pretty, you know, it's quite a powerful thing to go through when you think you're going to die and then you feel like you've died and then you, you're suddenly back talking to people. It's very surreal because you just, it takes you a minute. Like what, what, okay. So we're back. We're actually back on, this what we're doing now talking to each other on this one but it's there's other <laughs> there's other places that you can tap into um and it doesn't take death to tap into them a lot of people right. practice meditation a lot of people do it through the breath and um a lot of people just have experiences like they just go for a stroll and something happens um it, uh, but yeah, for me, it's it's been that Tahiti one was very vivid. It's very new. It's very, it was very um, visually wild as well. Um, I don't know whether, and it wasn't just when I was in the hospital. It kind of kicked in when I was in. I basically had to get airlifted because I had internal bleeding when they took me to the first hospital, um, and they were worried for me. So straight in the air ambulance, and it was in that air ambulance. That I started to get a, a, a very um, scary feeling come over me. It felt just pure panic and um, mm. worry and fear, yeah? And so it was like that was the – and then from that, we kind of went through into a very euphoric, beautiful state. Um, but in between all that, there was so many – you know how fast the mind works, and it mm. was just – it was almost like a new part of my mind was was being fired up, and there was old – 
heavy stuff coming through as well as um, stuff I'd never felt. Um, and it was when I, by the time I got to the uh, the hospital, I was having my surgery, which they didn't even put me out for. Uh, I was I was awake during this surgery to get this tube put inside of me to drain the blood, and during that I don't remember what happened because I was kind of just I don't know whether I passed out or what happened, but that was another time that I had these pretty vivid mis- like visions of very scary, voidy, suctiony, getting pulled into something dark and scary to open up into a very euphoric, beautiful pureness that uh, can only, yeah, it's just ecstasy. It's just like pure love and light and and a tone, of like a tone in, you can hear that's just so nice to hear. Uh, it was just such a nice feeling. And I knew that I was going to be okay then, you know what I mean? Mm. And I did feel like I had some serious, serious energy from my family that was just deep in me. Like it's just, that's just part of you. It's like a huge part of you, like your wife and your kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, it's your, it's, it's part of your huge soul. So there was a part of that that just, yeah, it's just like, man, you're fine. Like, I feel like I'm fine now. Like I can go in as well. I feel like I could wipe out. I'm, I'm good. You know, like, if, yeah. yeah, no matter what, I've got those guys, I'm coming back with them and we're going to flow through this life together. Uh, so it was a sense of that. I just came back when I was in Tahiti and just was like, I just knew everything was going to be fine then, you know, like it was quite amazing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And and I know, and I, I get what you're saying too, where it's like, sometimes it's hard to put that kind of it stuff into sounds, words, but, yeah. but like, I don't know, what's the line? Like the more you learn, the less, you know. Right. And I think when yeah. we're young, we're like, Oh, I know, I know everything about life and it's definitive. And it's like, that's just cause you're young and stupid. <laughs> like the more you learn, you're like, wow, there's so much that I don't know. And there's so much more mystery to life that I ever, I, I was so closed off. Like, and it doesn't matter yeah. what walk of life you come from. And, and even the way you describe as you pointed out like what it feels like to go through a very real near-death experience so i think human beings as a species have such a weird relationship with death it's like there's been 170 yeah. billion humans that have come through the planet yeah. every single one of them dies you know but yeah. everyone is so yeah. scared about it that they're not always open to even talking about it with an open mind yeah i i really wonder how um there's so many different cultures though out there mm. that look at it differently. Right. Yeah. And so it's such a fascinating subject. It's such a powerful subject. Cause it's just, yeah. And then you see the life of my little baby girl born, you know, I caught her in the bath, come out of mama and put her in on mama. And I mean, what the hell, you know, it's just, it's just that if that isn't a miracle, like I, you know, it is, do you know what I mean? That's just the most beautiful thing in the world. And so it's amazing how close we are though. You know, like there was a moment where, she didn't make a cry, you know, mm. when she was on mama. Oh, you know, is she okay? You know, and these they, so close up, but you know, to, to both sides and it's scary, but it's just in that rawness of, of, of like insanity too. It's right there. Mental health. I feel like these things are so close to us that we can just tip over. And, um, but then, you know, if we can take away, like we are hopefully with the mental health, being a lot more open about it and it being a bit more um 
yeah verbally just connected on it and I just feel like it, it just it waters it down man you know if, if inmates were able to talk to each other that were struggling with stuff or what mm. we're going through um you know and the same with death it's like this big fear thing and it's like um uh, it's a very taboo subject like with with my mm. wife for instance it's a very something that that she, you know she doesn't feel um yeah she she's a very very respectful around around that subject and i think to the point where it's like you just yeah you don't really want to talk about it you know even if someone's a bit older it's it's quite an awkward and, and a scary thing to bring up and yeah and um i respect that you know um i think that i'm a bit more sort of less sensitive with it mm. um when i'm speaking personally about my circle but like I, i'm respectful of other people's you know um vibe but it's 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 always a very um touchy subject you know to to talk about um but it's so real right it's just so there yeah and i mean i think the open-mindedness with which you kind of approach it's refreshing because it does feel like like human beings in the information age everyone's got a supercomputer in their pocket with their phone and it's like there's not a lot of humility that comes alongside that you know I, you never hear anyone say i don't know because everyone's like i'll just google that and pretend like i know <laughs> but but that that in a way it kind of erases being open to like really true mysteries in life where you're like, guys, we don't know, you know, like, and there can be a little there's more a humility with which, yeah. Mm. And there's, and I just feel like, I don't know. I've always felt really liberated and maybe I do it too much in saying like, I don't know, you know, but like, it's nice being honest about it. And it's nice having an open yeah. mind when you, you, you hear other people's experiences and perspectives. Yeah, fully. And mm. I mean, it just like, I, w I was just, um, what into, I feel like at the end of our previous topic, it was like about the drive with the family and things like mm. that coming into the picture. And I was thinking, just wanted to make a point to say like how I found, I find it still so fascinating when I think about it. Um, how once I had Tiger Lily, our first girl, I was so worried, you know, like, cause I won't be right. able to train as much and I can't put right. all of my energy into it and I'm all in, you know, yeah. um, selfish mode, let's go, you know, and the, but I wasn't getting the rides. I was getting like five super gnarly wipeouts every season that were like, oh my God. And they, and all of them somehow weren't that bad, by the way, I just get a hold down, right. pop up and be sweet. And people are like, okay, he's alive. Right, you know, right, yeah. fine. Most so the bad ones that look bad somehow aren't mm. majority of the time. These big gnarly ones, it's the little sneakers yeah. on your little local reef that you're not paying attention on that, that seem to the majority of the time wallop you. Not to say that these beasts can't take you out. I'm just saying like it's the sneaky ones I found. It, um, and, it's but so what true. I'm saying is when Tiger yeah. was born, my best rides came about that year like my, the ride of my life basically right. that year. And then from there, it's just been going very well. Apart from we had a bit of a wipeout to Choku. Yeah. But that was a good one. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was a positive thing. <laughs> it was, you know, it's only a positive that one. That wasn't a big deal. Like as far as psychologically and physically, you know, I think it's just, a, it was just a positive yeah well um, let's let's get a let's get a quick break in here because we've got a lot more to talk about but we're uh we'll take a break to get a word in from our sponsors and we will come right back wslstore.com is powered by shopify 
We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. All right, we're yeah. back. This is the lineup. I'm Dave Prodan here with Tom Lowe. Uh, Tom, awesome conversation before that break. Um, I would love to wind the clock back a little bit and, and, and give the listeners a little more context and color around just where you came from, because it's a, it's a pretty unique place for a surfer of your level. So can you give us a bit of background? Where did you come from? What was your family life like? Mom, dad, siblings, you know? Where did Tom Lowe incubate? Sure. Well, I mean, like we had happy family happening. We're in Cornwall and mm -hmm. we're living in the countryside, a little bit out of town, out of St. Ives. I was born in Newlyn, uh, which is uh, south coast. But um, yeah, uh, I grew up around St. Ives, basically. Small fishing village, tourist town. Good vibes, good art creativity some good older surfers kicking around but like pretty bad surf and cold and in the winter unless you're you know yeah able to surf in the day which you're not because you have to go to school we basically couldn't surf because it was dark when you went to school and dark when you came home so it was a pretty bleak existence in winter um but anyway as a kid yeah when i was about age four or something mum and dad finally split up and then that happy family countryside little thing was going on, which I don't really remember much anyway. Mm. I really don't. Like, um, was done. And we were then there living in separate places in St. Ives. And, I'm, yeah, I'm going to, like, St. Ives School or whatever. And, I mean, as a – my relationship with school from being young to junior school, primary school, whatever it's called, to, like, senior school, it was all – 
terrible. <laughs> I hate school. I hated it with a vengeance. But then, you know, home life, I didn't like either. Mm. It wasn't very nice. It was, we had a bit of playtime action, a bit of fun action. You know, everyone's doing the best they can. But it was pretty, um, I think, like, just difficult for my mum. Basically, kind of just, yeah, feeling like she's doing a lot by herself. You know, me and my sister. I got a sister two years older, you know. But then my dad, he's amazing. He's always there. But, you know, it's when they're not together and there's a bit of conflict, it makes life... um, just not very uh, settled as as a kid. And love them both to bits have great relationship with with all of my family so that's that's what's important they all get on great now which is also what's what's beautiful mm. um but there's a time when we're younger where it's just you know everyone's probably experienced it at some stage in their family life where the parents aren't getting on well and it's not um yeah it's not nice for a kid let's face it that's just what it is that's the truth of it um but they are they love me to bits and they're there for me and so i'm lucky for that so anyway that's kind of a bit about that um but yeah i kind of um skateboarded more than i surf because skateboarding was you could do it all the time even when it's raining you could skate in the rain so it was just something we did um we wanted to be like you know jay adams and all that and just like dogtown boys like skating around shaping our own skateboards and you know, being chased by police and egging them and just causing as much trouble as possible, you know, really is the mission because it's just you're bored and you're, you know, immature and you're a bit of a troubled soul. But, you know, that's kind of what it was. It was just running around town with skateboards and water bombs and eggs, <laughs> really. <laughs> and um, Just having a bit of fun. But, you know, nothing too serious like, it, you know, jail and all that. It wasn't like that. But, um, you know, we moved around quite a bit. Um, and I used to, you know, this, my dad's from Liverpool. So there's quite a bit of Liverpool action, which are awesome. Love Liverpoolians. But, you know, and then there's the sort of, I don't know, there's, there's a side of my family that's maybe not, um, as PC, you know? So it's like, I'm not a surf, you know, I don't come from like a core surfing background or skateboard mm. or something like that. Like I, you know, I, I push Mongo. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm making that on the podcast right now. Everyone's just like, you're a kook. So I'm a kook. <laughs> okay. So yep, that's me. And, um, I didn't even know that that was a thing until I was like 20 something. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I've been skating since I'm like, could like walk going mental thinking that I'm a little skateboard guy, which I'm not very good, but I was loving it. And then, you know, next thing you know, I'm like, oh, look at you, you know, at the skate park. Oh, sugar, you know, I'm a full kook. So that's that's because we didn't know. There was no elders who ripped who, like, we thought, oh, we, that's they're teaching us stuff. Same with surfing. There's no one, like, teaching you how to put, like, a leash string on or, like, right, yeah. how to duck dive. Well, no one's showing you nothing. There's no There was no surf school action or anything like this or a vibe. It was just old school, like, get out there and give it a crack and put the time in and don't talk about any of your turns or any of your your moves ever to anyone because, you know, you don't want to be big head. Second, you, you know, you say, oh, anything. It's an old school generation of, like, you know, take the piss out of you, like, put you down. Yeah. Um, that's how you do it. So that was, like, the, the, the sort of Cornish upbringing vibe. 
Um, it was when I went to Ireland for the first time around 20 odd that I, um, you know, we went traveling before that we'd been to Hawaii. We'd been to, you know, Mexico, like Puerto Escondido. We'd been to West Australia. I'd started to gravitate towards heavy waves and loved it when it came about. So I was naturally into it, but, but then there was a, then there was, uh, yeah, like I went to Ireland and my whole life changed. That's pretty much it. Well, I, I went there. Yeah. And I, I, I want to get to that. I, I do want to, and I appreciate that background. That's, that's super interesting. I mean, it's not that the United Kingdom hasn't ever produced world-class surfers. I mean, there's been, you know, Russell Winter and, Russ and Winter, Spencer yeah. Hargraves and Ruben Ash. And I Rippers, mean, even Martin, yeah, Martin Legends, Potters yeah. from the UK originally, you know, we, but yeah, but come on. He's I don't want to claim it. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair so enough. Sick. Good. Nah, but, 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 but my point is it, it's, as you pointed out, it's like, it's not a surfing hotspot. And even where you grew up in Cornwall, you pointed out, it's like, it's not like the waves are great. It's, it's dark when you're going to school, it's dark by the time you're coming home, it's cold. You must recognize the unique situation you're in that you came from there and, and developed into, you know, you probably resist this, but like a world-class surfer and one when you were a teenager where it seemed like people were interested in supporting you surfing like that, that that's pretty unique, right? Yeah. I mean, I never took it like, yeah, I, yeah, I guess it is, but you know, there's, um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot of my, I think as well, we all inspire each other. The circle I'm in, mm. there's a lot of like people, whether it's the musicians or the artists that just went all in and said, you know what? Like, they said, you know, you got potential, like give it a crack. Do you know what I mean? Like don't, Right. we were like us against the world vibes a bit, you know? So it's like, you know, whether it's your mum and dad and your, you know, your, your, like the people around town, like, you know, they, they're like, yeah, surfing, like cool and everything, but like, you've got to get a job, you know, get a trade under your belt, get a right. trade, you know? So it was like, that's, it was sort of just inspiring us more, you know, like, and when we travel around, when people were just like, oh, you, you, you pull me you pommies can't surf like you know right. what I mean? you won't surf the swell like you know that kind of thing so i like that under underdog status so it's just like that coming from england stuff um it just it's like a motivation that's like in our core and there's a lot of us um doing it and like you know my mates have like made it with music and art and it just makes me want to keep going because i'm just like yeah we used to just cruise around town like doing nothing you know what i mean just like like gambling in the arcade like trying to get a couple of quid so we could like you know yeah i don't know well i get pissed that night but all (laughs) all that makes sense like sometimes like the threat of employment is motivation enough to be like no i'm gonna do it my way i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) succeed right yeah Yeah. but but i I am curious right because you, you came from frankly an off the surfing map location you developed enough to the point where people wanted to support you doing this but let's get to the the ireland part of it because you said that that well, trip changed your that life is connected with that it's yeah. literally that is that because before that it wasn't money or anything like that and that's mm. like so i didn't do that contest i didn't get any results i had nothing under my belt a couple of shots in carve magazine um shout out to like steve england still doing it in england legend and like he's had my back since day one you know any little picture that comes through a lowy he'd be like let's bang it in there boys like give him a call and i get the odd picture and you know, people were giving me boards and I had like clothes and a wetsuits for free. And that was 
awesome. You it's know what I mean? Deal. Put a little yeah. sticker on your board. <laughs> right. X, XL I was with, you know, I'd be like, yeah, XL, you know, like just, I don't know, like van shoes, you know, like they've been, I've been repping the van shoes for that whole time. That's a long time I've been with them. So, but e- even like, the non-financial you know? part of that, it, it, it creates a permission system for you or for a lot of people to be like, this is validation in my dream. Like they, they believe in me enough to take that next step sometimes. And sometimes that next Definitely. step, as you pointed out is, is Ireland, right? So, so tell us a little yeah. bit about how that first trip came together and, and why it was, had such a profound impact on you. We saw some, I mean, people were sessioning it for years before, you know, like my, my buddy, my mate from home, he, Mickey Smith, he'd found these waves previously, um, years before, and they were coming out in the magazines and they all just look crazy over there, you know? So I was like, oh, that looks insane. But, you know, we were so pumped on just going somewhere tropical, like Indo, uh, mm. you know, cause we're, all we're doing is bracking our big suits, wetsuits on. We want to go somewhere warm. And so we did that, but then it got to the point where it's like, we're kind of into getting like heavy surf now and mm. like we were improving and, you know, we want to push it. And yeah, so I started like, um, I guess like thinking about it seriously during summer, working at home with a couple of my best mates who are also going to go with me. We're all lifeguards. Um, it was just the old, old school vibes of like good fun on the beach lifeguarding. And so it was like, we're going to go island on a trip. So yeah, the three of us just um, basically got this little Opal cadet. It was just like a little funny car. Um, and then we just chucked all the stuff on and drove over there, you know, at the end of our lifeguarding stint in the summer. And we said, we don't know how long we're going for. We're just going to all live at basically just called Mickey Smith out, out the blue and said, have you got a spot where we can skip on the floor or whatever? And so we all just lived in his front room uh, until he kind of just, probably his missus was probably Rivka his missus was like hey you guys got to get your own spot you stink kind of style but we basically just hung out there for I think it was about three months in the end and during that period it was just straight into it you know like all the wrong equipment but all the right drive and heart and and love for for waves of consequence and we just basically got stuck in and um I got really stuck in and they basically Mickey was showing me these pictures and that was my it was almost like an epiphany where I saw myself on this big screen of his pictures of me surfing that I you know and I couldn't believe it was me you know they were just me and some nice like nothing special but it was for me it was very special and I was like wow and he was like that's you mate like you need to you need to you know keep doing this like you don't want to go back to Cornwall like you know what are you up to like I was going to go home to to basically work on site and be a site, you know, I'd just be like cleaning the site up. I didn't have any skills under my belt. I'd pretty much just do any odd job, you know, bringing the tiles on the roof, just, you know, clearing up rubble, taking it to the skip, just boring, you know, and that's what I was going to do. And he's like, don't do that. I'll put together a proposal for you. I'll send it to Rip Curl, um, who were, you know, also were partnering with Vans at the time, uh, a friend of mine. And he basically just came up with that deal. And that's, Rip Curl and Vans were my first sponsor um, with Relentless Energy Drink. And the three of them got me enough money that I could travel with Mickey and Fergal Smith, my other friend from Ireland, um, who was, he was already a star, you know, kind mm. of style in his world. And that was it, man. We could go to Chopu and we could go to like, you know, wherever we wanted um, uh, and like basically just make films and get some 
get some nice shots off Mickey and that was it, man. We just hit the road and we didn't stop. Right. We bought jet skis in Ireland and maxed out credit cards and found new waves <laughs> and it just went from there really. I felt like that was the momentum. That's where it, it kind of catapulted from there, you know. For for listeners who are not familiar with Mullachmore, how would you describe the wave? It's like um How can I well, to describe it? I mean, it's the takeoff's like a big boil, so it's sort of just like a ledge, which means that it's so deep off the other side of that rock that it can't really break too far out, mm. which makes it safe to surf in a lot of ways as far as waiting for sets. You're not getting but caught. It's less likely to get caught there than, say, somewhere, you know, many other big wave right, spots, right, which right. is a bigger playing field where you go where am I? Where yes. am I sitting? Is this thing going to get me? Okay. Right. So like you surf Nazare. Every time I surf Nazare, I'm a hundred percent guaranteed to get cleaned up. You know, it's like, right, a, right, there's right. no gray area. So there will be a 30 footer on my head today. Are we ready? Yep. Let's go. You know, and that's what you're going into jaws pretty lightly. If you want to actually try and get a wave, you know, unless you just get lucky and you, or you sit real far out, you're going to get cleaned up. Same at Mavericks. So it's like, yeah. So anyway, uh, that aspect makes it a bit more user friendly, but then the takeoff is a hit and miss as well. Cause sometimes it can be a very steep takeoff mm -hmm. very critical. And sometimes it can be really easy and it can just roll you in and off you go. The problem is, is this, the, the takeoff is the easiest part. 100% because the, the rest of the ride, if you get a wave, which is walled up, which is the ones you want, it's going to be a rough ride one way or another. It's not going to be perfect. So mm. you're going to have to negotiate boils, which are like rocks and turbulence underneath the surface, which are going to create boils and movement in, and ledges and things to jump over whilst you're flying down the wave, which make it very difficult um, to negotiate, especially when you're inside a tube. If you've got like air inside the tube and mm. it's just kind of, commitment is paramount and basically just no don't 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 fall off like don't don't let go of that ride like make it you know that's the i i kind of just hang on no matter what just keep keep on your board you know like and keep uh keep a solid stance because it's like buckaroo you know that thing's a wild ride and yeah it's basically you're going very fast it's like towing into a wave that's how fast you go into the tube section and then you've got to like try and highline it out of the end because it goes into deep water again which which makes it technical because if you're too deep at that point you get pinched and crushed and it's game over you know um so it's it's a technical ride it's not perfect it's all shapes and sizes it's going to throw at you and like I, i'm fascinated by it i think it's um a well a world class it's up there with the best waves on the planet because there's not many waves that allow you to with your own arm power mm. physically get into a wave that heavy on the barrel section you'd have to tow it usually on other places um so that's 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 it for me it's that's uh, that's what we're after <laughs> that's a great description um, you know you mentioned that it? people I, I, lo I loved it i thought it was great i mean you mentioned that you know before you turned up there Sorry. like people had been surfing the place but it it you know, the UK and Ireland, out, outside of probably the, the core 
heavy wave surfer community around the world was not as well known as, you know, Hawaii or Australia or South Africa or yeah. whatever. I'm wondering when you and Mickey and Fergal started traveling in those early years of you getting the support to do so, did you ever encounter, I mean, I guess you mentioned a little bit, but did you ever encounter kind of any prejudice or bias from, you know, other surfing communities when they're like, are you from, you're from the UK and you're going to surf this spot or, or was everyone pretty welcoming once they got, once you got there? I think that, you know, I've never come across a situation where I've had like bad vibes when the waves are heavy, you know, it's mm. never been like when it's actually game day and you know, you're turning up, it's like a mutual respect that like, right. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, here we, here we go. Like, you're not talking, you're not thinking about like sending someone back to land or like you shouldn't be out here. There's none of that business. It's just like, okay, you know, like you, you're here today. This is going to be a heavy day, you know, like, yeah, I, I mean, I hope you're ready to, to go because it's, it's going to be heavy, but you know, um, I think that question, what that brings up for me is more of a, that underdog mentality thing as well, which is like, you know, you're not because you're from England um, and you've you're not you're surfing these heavy waves, which people appreciate are heavy in Ireland uh, and other parts of Europe. But because they're not the premier big wave spots on the planet, mm. you're not getting the recognition. Yeah. So right. you have to work twice as hard than, than the other guys. You do. You do. I mean, to get recognized, to get invitations, to get like, yeah, the respect, you know, because, you know, it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's just how the scene works. Every world of every walk of life has a scene and a little like bit of bullshit about it. And, you know, you got to like, that's why, you know, I go over and turn up and try and surf the spots just to sort of get them under my belt in a sense and like try and see if I can and how they compare to Ireland. And because um, that way, you know, you're kind of, I guess, silencing those questions in your own mind that maybe these waves are heavier than the waves in Ireland or, are, how do they compare? Because, you know, you're wondering why you're not getting maybe the recognition of some of the heaviest rides you've got in Ireland that the other people get, like Jaws and Mavericks and mm. places. And I, I believe that the that wave is as heavy, you know, it's just different. Um, and, yeah, I guess there was a lot of times where I felt like, man, like, kind of like, been going pretty gnarly for a few years now and i'm wondering why like yeah like i don't know like do pe people need to come basically and surf it that's probably it and once they did you know everyone that has sat there in the lineup on these waves that we surf has gone me this is definitely some of the heaviest surf i've ever been in i'm glad you brought that's that up because I, I was going to say the same thing is, and ask you as well, because it does seem like any time Mullockmore comes up uh, with other kind of big wave surfers from other parts of the world, they all have the same comment or a version of it. You know, they're like, I was aware of it. I had no idea how legit and serious this wave was till I got there. And then and, and it sounds like that's yeah. been your experience too with, with surfers visiting the, the region. Yeah, it's the same. It's not just that wave, mate. You know, like you mm. go down the road and there's an eight to ten foot slab. Right. And these guys are charging, you know, the heaviest spots around. But, you know, when they turn up there and you've got your big wetsuit on and it's cold and you've already got your ass handed to you at Mullagmore earlier in the day and then you're turning right. up at this spot and you've got to send it and, like, the local boys are just having a field day. Just It's all just fun and games. Um, you start to go, you know, like, 
and then you know it's it's there's a lot of there's those those elements are, are, are very in your face because you know one swell down you, you know and you get you're thawing out trying to get warm and then the next right. day there's another swell popping up in two days time how keen are you then you know in the third swell two weeks into your trip like you're going to hang around or you're going to fly home you know get back in the boardies because it's like there's different levels of of call or charges man like and you know the one person that really really impressed me last winter was nathan florence um mm. You can't take it away from the man. You know what I mean? He's simply the best surfer I've ever seen come through Ireland. I, I don't know what else to say about him. He's just a a real cool, you know, like beast when it comes to heavy surf. And like his experience uh, was just evident and just he doesn't care about the cold. You know what I mean? And that's a factor mm. that's going to be weighed up right next to the surf is, you know, can you handle the cold? Um, and he loves it. So... <laughs> That was awesome to to be around him. It re inspired me again. You know, to, I'm glad I'm glad just, you brought the yeah. cold up because I was going to ask about that in your own experience. And obviously, we're all products of our own environment. But you're someone who grew up with that cold and, and have, have had it in your bones and have had to kind of thrive you know in that environment and then you've obviously traveled to warmer climates whether it's you know, Maui or Tahiti or, or wherever um just your opinion do you think it's uh mm -hmm. more difficult for you to go from the cold and then thrive in you know warmer climates or vice versa in terms of people who maybe grew up in Hawaii or grew up in Tahiti having oh, to come to Ireland well, it's definitely it's definitely yeah. harder to go into the colds you know no brainer and and for me you know like all the boys um in Ireland and that like the guys that are you know there living there and whatnot or on all the swells it, they know they know that i'm like trying my hardest not to be in the cold as much as possible these days <laughs> you know what i mean i'm coming in there and i'm like i love it but i'm just at the same time like i love being you know I, who doesn't want to be sitting you know having their breakfast on the deck you know what i mean or like going for a beach days with the fam it's the best right. but you know the bottom yeah if, if it wasn't for like the fam put this way i'd be living in ireland right now like i'm 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 fully dead. Yeah, I've yeah. So I love it, but um yeah, it's definitely pretty nice to jump on a flight and and get your get your shorty wetsuit on or like your board shorts and you're just feeling like you can hold your breath forever under the water, you know? But funnily enough, apparently the mammalian reflex works better in cold climates and you're supposed to be better with apnea in cold water apparently because but I don't feel like that. I feel like every time it's freezing, I'm like, bugger that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be down there for too long. My head pops. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there's a version where like, it's not wrong, but the science crosses over a little bit with, you know, everyone about like, I do the cold plunge in the morning and it floods my brain with chemicals. And it's like, I guess I'm more alert when I'm surfing cold water. But to your point, it's probably just like the mammalian, like survival complex where it's like, you have to focus and get out of this situation compared to you know, <laughs> yeah. being in the warmth. I mean, I find when I do an ice bath, if I do it in the morning, because often I get up really early, try and, you know, get my training in or do something before the girls wake up. But um, it's like, I'll jump in there at five in the morning in the ice and I'm like, it's for, for the rest of the day, I feel like I'm, I never really warm up, you know, right. uh, sometimes. Yep. And it's like an energy taxing thing. And I don't want to jump back in the sea for a surf later even in the afternoon you know and i'm like oh 
Oh, Interesting. We're down 10% battery, Dave. Oh, you 10% are? 10% battery. Well, we might have to go for a little stroll for a second. Sorry, mate. That's no worries. We can... Um... Is that me? We'll see. We changed, we've changed spot. I'm now sitting on the uh, medicine ball, which is what we use for um, bouncing Multi- baby. Multitasking. Sleep. I like this. This is good. You can tick this off but, as training too. So that's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Uh, oh, oh, I know I was going um, You know, one of the things that, that I think most people notice about the quote unquote big wave community is there's not just one type of surfer, you know, there, there are surfers in the big wave community who only want to tow, you know, and you'd never catch them even paddling a wave, even a small wave, you know, and then there are some that only want to surf a certain type of wave, like even sort of like a critical, um, wave like Mullockmore or Chopu. Um, and then there are some that, that, that are pretty, Swiss Army knife. You, they rip in small waves. They charge in big waves. And it does seem like, from your background, you know, you're able to do quite a few more things than even a lot of folks in the big wave community do. Just in terms of, you can surf a shortboard. You can surf small waves. You can do progressive surfing. You can charge the barrel. You can tow. You can paddle into huge waves. Number one, is that a fair assessment? And then number two, if it is, do you feel like? being able to surf every day or in every kind of wave has actually been advantageous to maybe kind of where you lean in professionally in big wave surfing. I definitely, I mean, straight away on that last part of the question, I definitely think that it's just a plus plus to be able mm. to maneuver a shortboard and surf from the grassroots of just maneuvering a shortboard in small waves, I think is fundamental to being a solid big wave surfer. Um, because, of course, you've got to maneuver that big board in big waves and um, your balance is, is all similar muscles. Um, and um, I think it translates, you know, a lot um, similar to, you know, skateboarding the bowl and things mm. like that. You know, these are similar movements. Um, but um, and obviously for me, you know, I don't necessarily think about style as something that I think about when I'm doing anything, but um, when I, the people that I like to watch surfing and that I will take the time to watch, or I appreciate are people that have, in my opinion, the style that I like, and, um, that'll be in small waves and in big waves, you know, that I think there is style in big waves and, um, I appreciate, you know, people's style a lot, um, over a big wave, uh, ridden, I would prefer to see a, smaller wave ridden with style, you know, any day of the week. But, mm. you know, uh, as far as like what my, well, you know, how rounded I am as a surfer, I mean, yeah, I grew up obviously surfing sloppy, crappy beach breaks. So you learn how to make the most out of your, what you're you know, given. And, um, we, you know, my inner grom froth is never, never fading. Cause I, I love surfing anything and I'll be out there even if it's onshore like windy, horrible waves, I'm out there no matter what. Um, I just love it. So um, as far as like the towing and the paddling and stuff, it's like I went through a period, of course, of owning a couple of jet skis with my with my mates, Mickey and Ferg, and that was great fun. And it was all just very much a cowboy era of like trial and error and nobody really showing us the way. We just learned, you know, um, as we went along and had a lot of fun in the process and 
that was over, I guess, five or ten years of of playing around with the towing in on jet skis and stuff. Um, not so much looking for the biggest waves to ride down, more trying to get barreled on the heaviest waves. And we weren't able to paddle those waves. So it was more of a tool to be able to actually ride them, you know, and, and ride them in the tube. So that's how my toe surfing head relates. It's like, I don't think of toe surfing and myself as like mission is to catch the big wave and get the shot or whatever. It was more just get tubed and get the heaviest tubes. And that was what all the peers we were looking up to were kind of doing, you know, whether mm. it was like, Dorian at Chopu and like Laird Hamilton and then, you know, they're towing in getting these massive pits. It was sick, you know, and Laurie Towner and at Ship, mm. Shipsterns and, you know, James Homer Cross and those boys down that way. And, you know, obviously there was people like uh, Mark Matthews and, you know, Kobe Abbotton or Bra Boys and that. Everyone was just towing these crazy ways around the world, like Jughead. And there was so, so many people, um, you know, doing cool stuff that was getting us amped to find new heavy slabs in Ireland and tow them, that that was the main um, motivation. Get these big pitch, you know? Um, mm. And so I guess really we started to try and paddle in between all that. Like every once in a while, there might be a session where it was kind of paddleable um, with Mulligmore or wherever, and we started to go, ah, we're not going to tow at all. We're just going to see how we get on paddling and basically miss every good one and just have a crack on a couple and find out, the hard way it's difficult um and so that's what we did and, and in the end it just kind of played out that way it was just okay we don't really need to tow any more of these same waves that we've caught we've kind of ticked those boxes that we wanted to uh, of course you can always go deeper you can always get a better ride but in ourselves both Fergal and I were really happy with the ways we'd ridden and there was no real talk about it as such there wasn't like a meeting where it was a final part it was just like I was off doing my own thing. He was doing his own thing with music. He was surfing and growing vegetables and doing sick stuff with his family. It was just like, we were doing different stuff. So it was like, yeah. let's just sell these jet skis. You know, who's even got them? I don't even know where they are. Right. Let's get rid of them. Give them to a friend. I don't know where they're living. And, you know, like, let's just move on because I just want to paddle anyway. And I, I got so much more pleasure and still get so mm. much more pleasure um, over paddling around chasing my tail even if i don't get any waves i come out of there and i learn so much mm. um and when i'm towing um i just didn't enjoy it i did not enjoy mm. it at the end at all it was just like uh going through the motions and it wasn't me who chose the wave it was my driver and it was his positioning which would dictate how my ride would would unfold and i just you know and just sitting on them and the noise and the smell and everything about it was just not fun for me you know bobbing around i don't like all that so uh yeah stoked to just be paddling over the past decade and that's what that's what all the lads started doing as well like you didn't see dorian towing in at chopu anymore you didn't see right. him you know what i mean people started going all right like let's paddle in at jaws so i was looking at my laptop or whatever going geez look at these guys pioneering jaws paddling huge jaws this is wild like we need to push push what we're doing too you know at Mullagmore and like and uh, it just inspired us and it felt like that was the direction big wave surfing was going it was like paddling was is is and always will be the most respected form of riding big waves it always will be I, in my opinion 
Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I appreciate that. I am curious about, you know, in 2023, you know, you, you've got a, a number of sponsors who support your career as a professional surfer. Um, you talked about the, the well-roundedness, so I'll, I'm calling it well-roundedness, of your abilities um, in a way that I think makes a lot of sense. But if you had to explain to someone what your year in, year out uh, career looks like these days and, and what you focus on and what your sponsors want you to work on. How would you do it? Does it, is it, oh yeah, they just want me to surf anything I get my hands on or that I'm, I'm really, or I am really hunting these kind of big barrels. Like what is it? And, and how does that relationship with your sponsors well, play I mean, out in 23? The sponsors, like, to be honest, it's always been the same kind of thing with me. Obviously we used to be like, you know, telling your sponsor, I'm, you know, I'm working on a film project. Like we're going to be trying to, bank some clips over the winter and that and then put out an edit you know what i mean that mm -hmm. is how it used to be or it was like shots in the magazine if you got a cover shot on that you know yeah like send it over to the right. sponsors they're buzzing and that's how it was right now it's all instagram and phones right. and all this yeah. business um so you know i'm about as le least tech as you can get but um you know i know how to you know basically uh, you know get a clip on my phone and then and then we just try and put some tunes with it or we just put it up raw and that's how we do it on the instagram you know and i don't really um tend to post a lot uh, if i do it's uh, i yeah it's just when i feel like it and try and make it like where you know hopefully it's a decent enough ride you know what i mean but it's um it's you know we don't i don't need to talk to my sponsors about like what I'm up to really they just I think they trust in the fact that I'm you know really driven and that I've been you know doing it in the game for a long time now so I think they trust that I'll deliver and that I'm hungry and after it and I mean at the end of every year you're giving them your coverage breakdown yeah. you know you're giving them your plans you're doing all the stuff you got to do but the bottom line is that like you know they know you'll turn up because you know you've been doing it for over 20 years so you're going to turn up like that's how it is like they so yeah basically just i just do i go i go on what i feel you know like it's just following my instinct and my heart there's no pressure on me to like have to go and surf mavericks next swell or something like right. that like nobody but me cares you know like it's just all on me all the pressure is just me yeah. And, and, and that <laughs> does myself. seem to be, uh, and that does seem to be the hallmark of kind of the longest lasting, longest lasting and most productive, like surfer sponsor relationships. As you pointed out, like you've been with Vans for 20 years, they understand who you are, you understand who they are and, and you understand how that works. And I'd imagine that as you've matured as a professional surfer and only gotten better that those relationships you have a lot more agency in terms of okay if i am going to partner with this brand it's going to be under these conditions and it works for them and it works for me and you know this is an episode uh presented by yeti um they're one of our our major sponsors the products are insane they're also a, yeah. a supporter of yours i'd imagine that even if you weren't sponsored by Yeti, you'd probably be looking at those products and using yeah. most of those every day, to, right? Yeah. yeah, I'd be hustling. Yeah, I'd be hustling for sure. I'd be trying to get one of them waterproof bags or those and the wheelie coolers, you know, that if we'd be we'd be all over my mates, trust me there. But you know, <laughs> if I wasn't, but that that was so organic. I mean, again, yep. it's very much like just feels like my whole surfing career has kind of been like that, as far as like they just Keith Malloy pops up, do you know what I mean? In my mm. Don't know if it was an Instagram message or 
no, I think I met him. I met him on the North Shore about four years ago or three years ago or something in the, I'd met him before that, but like he was at a sunrise shack and we're just, I was having a little smoothie. I was with Tiger Lily and having, going to get a little treat for her and that. And then, you know, we sat down and they were, I was catching up with them. They were filming with Emmy Erickson. Um, I just sat down and chatted some shit with them, I guess. And next thing you know, they, yeah. Hey Tom, like really cool meeting you. Like again, like, you know, the boys was asking if you'd be keen to maybe do a movie with us, be part of a film and on you. And would that be something you'd be interested in? And I'm just like, well, you know, yeah, of course I would. I mean, like, of course, you know, what's didn't talk about, like, whether I'd get paid or any of the business. It was just like, yeah, I mean, I love what you guys do, how you make your films and also just who you are as a brand. And like, of course, let's give it a go. And they came over to England and Ireland and spent a few weeks together and that little crew the three of them they just nail it and like nicest people I've ever worked with you know what I mean they just it was so relaxed and easy and did nothing was forced and uh uh obviously we, we you know we ended up making a film which is it's going to be premiere in December and in, in, in on the North Shore so that'd be cool um it's just about me really in my little world um and yeah that kind of propelled into a sponsorship I, I you know I was definitely um badgering Keith for about a year <laughs> that wasn't so organic right no but I was definitely like hey brother like you know and he's like don't worry though it's coming it's coming you know what I mean and then like they were like yeah like you know well, his nickname's Bags but Mike Mike basically yeah. was just you know I connected with him on the phone and um he's my manager and he was just like it felt like a friend a supportive friend you know like a family member like he's just like yeah. yeah we don't want you to do anything you don't want to do basically you just be you and we sponsor you kind of thing and i'm like okay like i can okay. do that yeah right, right. we're on we're on well, right let's let's get on let's get on the website and see what goodies we can get do you know what i mean yeah. it's just yeah it's been a couple of years and yeah i mean they, they, my relationship with them is like vans i mean they kind of just check in as, as friends with me every once in a while and I'll see you you know I'll see him in Hawaii I can't wait to to put this movie out man it's like definitely I'm really stoked with it it's really pure and it's it feels like it's really me um it's got Mickey Smith's music in it you know one of my you know, best mates it's got my family in it which is so important to me and um I, yes, it's just well put together. Those guys know how to do it. It's it's great. I'm really stoked. <laughs> I like it. And and Keith, he's been on this podcast. I think he would admit that he needs to get <laughs> badgered or dragged because otherwise he would never leave his place on the ranch. Nor would I. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's I'm, like, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. gonna go and stay with him, man. I want to go. I want to bring the family to stay with him. He's he's invited us over. I got to go. Uh, check good it for out. you. I like it. <laughs> we're uh, we're going to take uh, one more break to get a word in from our sponsor, right, and we will be right back. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. 
The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential, and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. All right, we are back. This is the lineup. I am Dave Proden here with Tom Lowe. Tom, thank you so much for all your time today. You talked a little bit about plans for the rest of the year. We're going to be in Hawaii, got a film coming out. Yeah. What else should people know? Like, What's the rest of 2023 look like for you? And do you have any kind of next year plans that are percolating at this point? Well, I mean, I'm really excited about two films. Like, We've got the Yeti film you know which is obviously the most I'm, I'm the most excited about and i'm going over next month with the family we're going to be spending three months on the north shore as a base camp which is um, a bit different than you know living over in portugal island you know a bit warmer and we've done it before and we've always had a great time um, we've got a lot of really good friends old friends new friends over there so um and then premiering that and as along with um you know, harry bryant who rides for vans the australian mate of mine uh he's just made a absolute beast of a film by the looks of it and um i'm really you know stoked to be featured in it because he came over to ireland a few winters ago and we he put the time in and went old school with it you know just like the whole no post for months and just right. score the best ways of his life and just those guys you know as a term that gets thrown around a little bit a core lords they are lords of the underground call surfing industry which there are many of, but they're fewer and far between these days because people just love the phone. You know, we just get a bit right. alive on that. You know, it just, you know, and it just it, for me, it just waters down like a lot of the experience uh, around these surfs and, and the energy and in Ireland in particular. But um, of course, people got to do their job. I'm not judging. Do what you want to do. But and I post my I post stuff all the time, so we're all playing the game. But Right. I do love it when a good crew of the best surfers in the world arrive, out surf everybody, have a great experience and just really cherish it for themselves. And then year down the line, bring out a great film. And so it has that old school feel about it where those guys have been working on it for some time. And uh, so Harry's going to be premiering that on the 9th of December, I think in Haleiwa over in the North Shore. So I get to go and be part of that. And um I'm excited about that too, you know. Um, don't know whether I'm in the pipeline event. Maybe maybe Vans can listen to this and that might get them excited. <laughs> but they're sponsoring it. And I I'm like, like the pressure. We should definitely push for that. Can, that'll, I think yeah, that'll be the caption that we put out when we promote it 
It'll just be why, listen to Tom Lowe and why Van should include him in the Pipe Masters. Exactly. But yeah. we got in the we're in the Jaws event, so we've got that oh, one to cool. kick off and the next, you know, could happen anytime. Soonish, yeah. Now. Um, so that's you know, an always up in the air thing. Um the Eddie, you know, we're on the alternate list for the Eddie Cow contest, which is a first for me. Um what an honor and like you know, just to be, yeah, in the mix for that. Which is, it's, it's basically, I'm not a contest guy. I really am not. Um, I say that because, you know, I just don't really know how to do them. Um, I don't really have a head for hassling you in the lineup when it's big. I'm just going to let you go if you want it. You know what I mean? And like, if a wave, my wave will come, it will come. Um, I'd say it's not really the mindset for winning. Um, but, to be that's not really a winning kind of contest it's more of a free-for-all go for gold do it for at the eddie legacy and mm. just sort of um represent you know for your for your brothers and sisters out there you know putting it on the line and so it's like i'd love to do that and so yeah i'm quite excited to go to the ceremony and, and be part of that one this winter and besides that you know we don't know what nature's going to bring right mm. they're talking about el nino could be loads mm. of big waves could be you know bullshit it's <laughs> a fair yeah <laughs> nature i don't know it could be the best winter ever in ireland and i'm just over there the whole winter and my family are on the north shore like when are you gonna come back you know my missus will be like you know losing her mind she might have to move to ireland who knows maybe you don't know what's gonna happen man <laughs> well it sounds like it's gonna be a busy uh few months in in either event um and and i can't wait to see that film i can't wait to see harry's film too i think that's going to be incredible you know before yeah, you go sure. we uh we put a few questions out to our followers that at the lineup pod on instagram we got oh, a God. lot of questions back but um we've whittled them down to three um first question is from at mike keen skate and he is All referring right. to a wave you posted on your own Instagram. We were just talking about this. 31 weeks ago, you probably remember it. The caption says, on my way to Valhalla. I think after watching oh, the yeah. clip, I would say Valhalla is probably on its way to you after that. But anyway, he is referring to this wave. And his question is, how fast is a wave like that? And then he asks, where? With multiple question marks. Okay. So, it's up my look more. There you go. And that was about 15 years ago or something. Do you know what I mean? That's a long time ago, that wave. So not at all recent. And I'm not good with technical how fast you actually go on a wave. So I'm sorry about that. But, um, you know, I'm sure if you get look at, like, some of the other lads that are doing the towing at, like, Nazarene, that they, they get detailed on that. Shit. You know, just, right, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how fast we go. Do you know what I mean? We go pretty you go pretty quick. But, um well, from a, from a, a feel standpoint, a wave, yeah, yeah. You know? I was gonna say, from a feel standpoint, does it feel faster, slower, the same as, I guess, dropping in at somewhere like Nazare? When you basically, I mean, look, when you're when you're surfing your average wave and you just get up and you pump along the wave, you know, of course, you can generate a similar speed once you start really pumping down the line of a long wave, even small wave, you can mm. you can generate a lot of speed, um, but when you're going down like a wave that's like 15 foot plus you, you without a shadow of a doubt that you you, you you do fly down that wave a lot faster <laughs> right, right. And, um, than, than what you generate on a small wave and you know it, at least how it feels it's um 
it's just all intensified and that particular wipeout was was pretty aggressive my my foot you know went around the back of my head and it kind of like got, got I finally did the yoga position that I've been trying to do for the last <laughs> right. 20 years yes. no it wasn't good but you know we, we had a groin strain on that one and all sorts of stuff was going on mm. but and a pretty decent hold down that was before all the inflatable vests and all that stuff so um yeah it was just me and ferg and and then mickey bobbing around doing doing photographs and picking up that's how he used to do it he used to take photos on his own get the shot quickly shove it in his little wet bag come in and save us you know that was his message. <laughs> it's pretty funny so media media hat and safety crew hat at the in the same had it all jesus yeah, everything he's the guru uh, second question is from at B code one who asks, what is the biggest wave you've fallen on and how long were you held underwater? Probably when I jumped over at Nazare, mm. uh, on a big one. And I was, cause the reason why I know how much I was held down for is cause I, you know, can see it on the timer right. on the <laughs> footage because it's a, it was like a 42 second hold down uh, and then I pop up, you know, so you can sort of see me down there for that time. And, uh, weirdly enough with all the adrenaline and how prepared I was or what uh, that particular day, how I was feeling, I didn't feel panicked under the water at all. It winded me a bit when I landed after I jumped off, but it was actually somehow felt very fast. And then when I looked at the footage, you know, weeks later, I've realized, geez, that was actually a, probably my holdest, longest hold down. But, you know, um, yeah, probably that, I guess. Um, Good answer. You know, it's just, it's that one I jumped, I got like wipeout of the year thing with it. So it's, it's, it's that one when I jumped over and it just, um, but, but I've had, you know, a lot worse wipeouts on a lot smaller waves. So mm. it's like I said at the beginning of this interview, it's the sneaky ones that get you and, you know, it right. can be a three, six foot wave and, you know, just, I guess what I always say is just like, you know, prepare for, you know, not, I didn't say prepare for the worst, but just keep your wits about you, even on these small sessions. Cause you never know, uh, you know, with nature when you're going to get taught a lesson, it's just, it's going to happen at some stage. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> It's a good answer. Uh, last question that we pulled from the, uh, the herd here on Instagram is from etright.fam who asks, uh, where do you want to surf that you haven't been yet? Yeah. My missus was asking me that, you know, like, isn't there somewhere you want to go? You know, do you want to go to Namibia? Like, you know, this longest barreling left in the whole world kind of style. And, you know, we can go and look at Africa and all that. I mean, it sounds awesome. And it's cool. It's wicked adventure. And like, there's so many like nuts wave. I haven't surfed Shipstern's Bluff in Tasmania yet. You know, like that's one of the nutsest heavy waves out there, but not really that bothered. <laughs> I'm not that bothered. Like I kind of, I, you know, I keep it very, I'm very satisfied with my flow. And like, I feel like the waves that I've ridden, I haven't ridden them to the point, like I think the level can keep being pushed or for my own mm yourself like whether it's the rides at Mullagmore I can go bigger and heavier you know I want to you know so it's I'm more inspired to go back and surf the waves that I've been um, learning off and surfing for like the past decade or more um, than I am to 
go and try new waves. There's not really anywhere out there that's that's right there. Yeah, there's nowhere out there that I go. You know what? I've got to go and ride that before right. I. Yeah. So, bit of a boring question. Uh, answer, yeah. Sorry. That's <laughs> oh, an honest one. That's a, that's a good one. Well, <laughs> we, we do appreciate appreciate everyone that wrote in at, at the lineup pod. We are now down to our final segment. This is the lightning round. So these are 10 questions oh. for you to answer as quickly as you can. Oh no, this could all it, go wrong. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, single fin, twin fin, thruster, uh, quad, bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? Thruster. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Burrito or pizza? Burrito. Last book you read? Oh no! It's been a while, kids. Nah, I shouldn't blame it on that. I don't know. I that geez, you got me. You got me. I don't know what was it. I'm looking around. Is there anyone on the shelf? <laughs> I'm moving around all the time, people. You know, this isn't even my house. I don't even know. <laughs> We're moving out next month. I don't know what it was. It was probably. It was probably like a autobiography, like a, you know, Mike Tyson or someone like that. You know what I mean? I love my autobiographies. Um, but I, I, yeah, sorry. Hey, that, <laughs> hey that's, that's a better answer than we get often for that question. So don't worry about that. Uh, I love books, people. Best surf oh, film actually, ever. I should oh, say, okay. I should say, no, I should say, I should say I read a book every night to my daughter, Tiger Lily. So I, last night I was reading uh, Moana. Oh, so, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, mate, I'm reading books all the time. So there you go. There you go. Uh, best surf film ever. Oh, no. Probably like litmus. I really like litmus. That's a good answer. Uh, what is one wave you never have to go back to? The right in WA. Mm, that sounds and fair. And the left. No, thanks. <laughs> They're fine. Keep them, boys. If you Heaviest only... places on the world. <laughs> they look terrifying. If you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life, and you can dreamcast it, it can be any size, any conditions, like best friends, whatever, which wave would it be? Oh, mate. Oh, wow. Probably... Probably Puerto Escondido. Hmm. And the reason I use beachy, so you know what I mean. You get in the wedgie, you get in the small short boards. You get in. You got to have something that you can surf up to and then beyond. You know, if I say somewhere like Mullagmore, if I say somewhere else, it's just going to be like, well, you can't. It doesn't break till it's ten foot. Right, so what are you right. going to do? I yeah, like that. So That's a great her. answer. <laughs> uh, best person to share a lineup with. Depends on the surf. Probably Nate Fletcher. Mm -hmm. He just pumps me up every time. Small, medium, or large waves, just awesomeness, radicalness on all levels. That's a good answer. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, worst person to share a lineup with? <laughs> That's one of them ones. Everyone has an answer. Not everyone says it. That's okay. <laughs> it's too, yeah, that, one's a, that one could go wrong. But you know someone, you I have know. someone in your mind's eye. You're like, I, I know who it is. They're right there. They're okay, that's really fair. That's aggressive. fair. <laughs> I like it. Uh, last one, finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... Becoming present. 
I love it. Tom Lowe, thank you so much for your time and your insights and, and congratulations on all you've accomplished so far. I can't wait to see the film. I can't wait to see more of what you do, but um, yeah, I really appreciated the time. This has been a great conversation. Nice one, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with the UK's Tom Lowe, an episode presented by Yeti. I hope you enjoyed it. Today's episode is executive produced by Jed Pearson, Tim Greenberg, and myself, produced by Miguel Clemente, with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges as recorded and produced on the ancestral lands of the Chumash and the Maori native people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are, and we'll see you next Tuesday. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup.